Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the vine to which we are connected by faith. Dear Christian friends, last week we kicked off our our new series, Reset, right? Looking at at, uh, how we push reset on, well, there's a lot of things that need to be reset, right? Let's just be honest. The last 13 months have been pretty rough, and there's, there's a whole lot of things that need to, need to go back, right? We need to reset them. Now, we don't have control over maybe even a lot of them. But the things that we can control, well, we want to make sure that as we recalibrate, that we do so carefully and correctly, which is why we're using God and his word to help us reset our hearts and our lives. And today, we're looking at hitting reset on our identity. Maybe you know some of these statistics already, but identity theft is a massive problem worldwide, right? Around the world, they say that that one in 15 adults has been the victim of identity theft. One in 15. It's actually even far worse here in the United States. In the United States, fully 33% of people have had their identity stolen. 33%. That is a staggering statistic. That means that there are probably a dozen or more people in this room right now and, and who knows how many more watching at home that have been the victim of identity theft. In each case of identity theft, it results in just tedious hours and hours of, of police reports and going through statements and all of those things, it just is a, just a hassle. And, and there often can be some financial ramifications. And thankfully, to this point, I've not been a victim, but maybe you have. And in talking with people who have had their identity stolen, those aren't even the worst. Not the hassle and, and hours and time and energy put into to police reports, not the, the money consequences, the worst part is knowing that there's someone out there that either was or is pretending to be you. It's a, it's a very disquieting, discomforting, uncomfortable thought. And you have to go through all kinds of extra steps now just to prove that you are really you. It's... It's a problem, it's an issue, but it's not actually the worst identity issue that there is. 33% of Americans struggle with identity theft, have faced identity theft, but I'd say there's probably 100% that have faced a different kind of identity problem. It's not having their identity stolen, it's losing their identity. It's not that we usually set out to lose our identity, right? I mean, and and actually, when we lose it, it's often as the result of good things. It's 
can be the result of, of a relationship, right? Parent or spouse or child. I actually just saw something the other day about how this is maybe especially true for moms with young kids, right? That, that so much of their time and energy goes into those kids that, that they just kind of become only mom. That, that that just becomes who they are every minute of every day and that becomes their identity. Even if you're not a mom, the same is true in lots of other ways, right? Especially if you are married. When you say I do, it, it changes a lot of things, right? It changes priorities. It changes routines and habits. It changes preferences. Because this is now who I become. Or maybe your, your identity is tied up in a role that you have, which often we connect with our job, right? And not surprising. I mean, that's often the way that we, we talk with one another, right? Hey, I'm so-and-so. Oh, what do you do? Is the follow-up question. Because that we so often connect so much of our identity with our job. And it makes sense. I mean, it's something that we invest incredible amounts of time and energy and, and we work hard to, to achieve, right? And when you get to that title or that rank or that degree, well, you want people to know that you've arrived, right? That you've accomplished this and so you use it to identify yourself. And it really easily can become actually not just the way you identify yourself to others, but the way that you view your own identity, and there's a real problem with that. It's our first takeaway this morning. It's that I often connect my identity with a relationship or a role in my life. Here's the problem, though. No matter what relationship or what role that you have, it won't last. Even mom, right? Even being a mom, well, it doesn't mean that you stop being a mom, but it's definitely going to change as those kids grow up and hopefully move out. And now all of a sudden, your relationship with them is different and they don't rely on you in the same way. And and it sometimes can feel like you don't know who you are and what you're supposed to do now. And it can leave you feeling like you don't even know who you are anymore. That you've lost your purpose, you've really lost your identity. The same can be true if husband or wife is not just what you are, but it's who you are. If your relationship with your spouse is the most important thing in your life, that it defines your identity at some point, well, that relationship is going to end, whether by choice or by death. And when it does, then who are you? It can feel like not just the loss of a companion and a partner, but the loss 
of identity. Same is true if your identity is tied up in a role, right? Especially if it's in a a job. It's not going to last. If anything, the last year has taught us that, right? That the jobs, even industries come and go. And maybe you'll end up, if you have this title and this role here, well, you end up taking a job somewhere else and it's not just quite the same. Or maybe you'll move into a, into retirement, and you won't even have a title. You won't have a rank. And now you got to wrap your head around, that's, that's who I am? Or maybe you'll get laid off, or fired, or the company closes. Whatever the circumstances, your career is not your identity because your career will not last. Here's the reality with that. It's our second takeaway today. It's that connecting my identity to anything in life sets me up for an identity crisis. Nothing in life is permanent. You've learned that by now, right? Nothing is permanent. Nothing is forever. Nothing is guaranteed. And sooner or later, all of those things in your life, the people, the roles, the relationships, everything will change, whether by choice or by circumstances. And if your identity is connected to a role or a relationship that you have, well, then you face a real identity crisis. The reality is, losing our identity happens to pretty much all of us at some point. But God wants us to not have to face that kind of an identity crisis again. He wants us to to know who we truly are, to attach our identity to something that doesn't change. Him. And in doing so, then we really know who he has made us to be. And we find sections of the Bible, like the words we're going to study today, with just incredible truth as God lays out for you and for me who you really are, what your true identity is. So let's take a look at 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We could just stop right there, couldn't we? period, exclamation point, really. This is who you are. Your true identity, child of God. Is that the way it seems, though? Because I think sometimes we think that if I'm God's child, that should mean that life is easy, right? I mean, like, God should play favorites, and, and make life simple because, hey, I'm your favorite child, right? I mean, we, we all have that brother or sister that's the favorite. We know what this is like, right? And we think that should be us with God. That's just not the way it is. And we'll talk about that next week as we talk about resetting our expectations. I, I think probably more likely, though, 
the reason that you wonder if that is actually true, that you really are God's child, is probably because of something that you did. Whether it was a one-time thing and you've regretted it every minute ever since, or whether it's something that you struggle with day in and day out. Because we have this enemy, right? The Bible calls him the devil. It also calls him Satan. You know what that name means? It's not just like a, a pet name or another, another term. The name Satan actually means accuser. And Satan is really good at his job. See, the devil doesn't just want to tempt you to sin. He wants to be right there so that when you sin, when you fail, when you fall, he is right there accusing, accusing, accusing. And he doesn't stop. And he doesn't let up. And here's what the devil wants. Here's what his goal is in accusing you over and over and over again and heaping guilt and shame on you. He wants you to think that you didn't just sin or you don't just struggle with sin, but that that sin defines you. That's what he wants you to think. Not just that I, I messed up, but that you are a mess up. Not just that you, you struggle with gossip or, or with anger or with addiction, but that you are a gossipy woman or an angry man or an addict. He wants you to see that sin, that struggle, and say, that is who I am. I'm that sin. It defines me. It's my identity. And if it weren't for Jesus, that would be true. Right? If it weren't for Jesus, that is who we are. Lost sinners. But because of Jesus, that is nothing more than just another lie from the devil, the father of lies. Instead, here's the reality. It's our, our next takeaway. It's that no sin can be my identity because Jesus cleansed me from my sin. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he made the payment for sin. Which ones? Some of them? Most of them? The, the like, easy ones or little ones? Which ones are those? Because in God's eyes, there isn't such a thing. They're all breaking his law. They're all equally heinous and bad. Jesus didn't just die to cleanse you and pay for some sin. He died to pay for all sin. Right? The Bible is explicit on that, on that truth. He died once for all. All people, all sin. His death on the cross paid for the punishment that you and I deserve. All of it. Complete. Gone. Done. 
And that means that no matter what your sin, no matter what your struggle, it does not define you. Because Jesus has paid for it. He has removed it. And all who trust in Jesus as their Savior, God says, you are forgiven. Isn't that beautiful? That that, that changes your entire identity. Look at how the Bible says it in Galatians chapter 3. So in Christ Jesus, by faith in him, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. See, trusting in Jesus, you have been washed clean. Not kind of clean with a few smudges left, those really dirty stains. Clean. Jesus paid for all of your sins, those sins that you can't remember and the sins that you can't forget. Those sins that, that happen in that place and those sins that you just can't seem to escape. He paid for all of them. And so now you stand before him clean, clothed with Jesus. And Jesus was perfect, right? Sinless, holy. So you know what God sees when he looks at you? Perfect, sinless, holy. In your baptism, he washed you and made you his own and calls you now child of God. Adopted into his family, seen by God as perfect and holy. That is incredible. That is a, a beautifully precious title that I pray you hold on to, you know is yours. Because it's not just some title that changes or goes away in life. This is your identity. You are a child of God. Or, to say it maybe a little more completely, it's our last takeaway today. My identity is that I am a perfect and holy child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. That's who you are. You are a child of God. Not failure. Not loser. Not parent or child, spouse, or boss, or super duper best employee ever. Not most likely to fill in the blank in high school. Not state champion. Not best. Not worst. You are something better than all of those. You are a child of God. You have been bought with the blood of Jesus. All of those other things, those, those relationships, those roles, right? The accomplishments, the failures, all of them, they all change. They all fade or they're all forgiven by Jesus. But your identity as child of God is anchored, is connected to someone who does not change. It's, it's permanent because God is changeless. 
See, when you, your identity is connected to God, it doesn't go away. He doesn't stop being your father someday because he doesn't change. He is unwavering in his love for you. And so he doesn't like revoke your adoption when you fail. Or when you fail bad enough. He doesn't give you three strikes and then you're out. He doesn't put you on double secret probation or on some time out over here. God is, is unwavering in his love for you. He, he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't wait until you do something that, well, that's what he wanted to see. Now he'll love you. He just pours out on us, right? 1 John 3 says he lavishes his love on us. His perfect, undeserved love, he pours it out on you. Minute after minute, day after day. For every, every second you are alive on this earth, God loves you because you are his child. That is an incredible, incredible truth that I pray that you cling to because it's a truth that doesn't just last as long as you breathe here on this rotating orb. It's a truth that lasts for eternity. Look at the way that, that 1 John 3 describes it. You are a child of God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him, Jesus. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be in heaven has not yet been made known. Right? We don't know exactly what it looks like in heaven. But we know that when Christ appears on judgment day, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So who are you? You are a child of God, perfect and holy because you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. That's who you are. Now, the world doesn't see that, right? It didn't see Jesus for who he was. And then when people look at you, they just see another person. Kind of like them. Kind of like everybody else in the masses, especially when we wear masks, right? Can't even see if you're smiling or angry. We, we just kind of blend into the crowd, we don't look a whole lot different on the surface, but what's inside, that's different. Because inside is God living in you. And that changes everything. Now, it doesn't change at all in super obvious ways every second of every day because, sadly, in this life, even though God sees us as perfect and holy children, the rest of the world sees us as still sinful, flawed, failing. And that's true. And that's why we need to remember every day, I am a perfect and holy child of God. And I've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And then what that means is to understand that as God's child, it does change how we view the world and how we strive to live. Right? Maybe, maybe you're one of your kids or maybe even you remember a, a younger brother or sister saying, when I grow up, I want to be like mom. I want to be like dad, right? 
And maybe if you were the mom or the dad, you were thinking, you don't even know what that's like, honey. You don't know all that goes into that. I want you to be better than me is usually probably what we think, right? But that child is saying that they want to be like mom, that they want to, to act like dad, that they want to imitate them, that they want to have the same qualities, that they want to have the same purpose and, and things that are important in life, that they want to walk in their footsteps. And, and we see that, right? I mean, we'll make comments, oh, she's got her mother's smile. Oh, he's stubborn like his father. Right? We, we see glimpses of that, even when kids are, are little. We see glimpses of, of mom and dad coming through. And the same is true for us as children of God. It isn't perfect. We certainly aren't going to stop being sinners, failing and, and leaving God falling short of what he expects just because he has made us his children. But it does change how we want to act, right? Because we want to be like our dear father. We want to live like him. We want to live for him because we are part of his family. You are his child. That's who you are. That's your identity. And so I'm going to say it one more time, and I want you to say it with me today. I am a perfect and holy child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. That is who you are. That is your identity. No matter how great the day is, how high your accomplishments and successes, how low your failures and sins, it doesn't change your identity. No matter who you love in life or what your role is, it doesn't change your identity. Your identity is rooted and anchored to God who does not change. So when you feel an identity crisis coming on, you don't know who you are, you don't know what your purpose is, when you feel the, the pull of temptation, when you hear the, the devil's accusations, you are this. You are defined by your sin. I want you to remember your identity. And then I want you to go back and listen to what God says to you in his word. Listen as he, he pours out, lavishes on you his love. Because he doesn't give it in drips and drops. It's an unending flow. So go into his word. Call out to him for help. And read verses like this from 1 John 3. Because God promises he lavishes his love on you. Because you are his dear child. That's what you are. That is your identity. Amen. would welcome me I was lost but he brought me and oh his love for me oh his love for me
Oh.